Amen. Have a seat if you would. Everybody have a seat. Now, uh, we're going to continue today in our, uh, our series, um, Getting the Story Straight. Uh, now, if you think about this, getting the story straight, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount and the, the uh, chapter 5 through 7 of Matthew. Now, here's why I have really enjoyed the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus is very clear about the standard of living for every believer. That if we're going to follow Jesus, he's clear about what that standard looks like. If we're salt and light, here's what that standard looks like, and that's what he expects of us. Now, interestingly enough, I know me and I know you that sometimes when Jesus sets a standard in many of our hearts, we may not say it out loud, but in many of our hearts, we kind of want to push back against that a little bit. Maybe what he said either offended us or maybe what he says, we're like, I just don't know that I can do that. Because think about it. He says crazy stuff, right? Like, forgive those who've hurt you. Well, how many of you are excited about that one? Because if they hurt me, I want them to feel the pain that I've gone through. Amen? Okay, only, okay, everybody else is holy rollers in the room. Okay, come on. Come on. Are you with me in that? I mean, when I'm hurt, I want people to hurt. Amen? Amen. Okay, there's a few faithful and tr- truth, truthful people in the room. And, you know, he says stuff like this. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the throat punchers. I mean, he says some stuff that's like, I just don't understand that. But that's the standard for how he's called us to live. And if there's ever a topic that many of us want to push back on, it's a topic that we talked about last week and will continue this week. It's on the topic of giving. Last week in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we'll be today. You can turn there if you want to now. But in Matthew chapter 6, like verse 19 through 24, Jesus touched on a topic that for many of us we want to push back on because when you talk about the issues of giving and money, it's very, very personal, right? I mean, nobody walked in this morning with your budget and just wanted to show everybody what you budget or how much money. I mean, it's very, very personal. And so we don't like anybody knowing that stuff. And so when Jesus talks about it and we talk about it at church, it it becomes something that we want to push back against. But I just want to remind you something. Whether we like it or not, this is the standard that Jesus set for us. It's a standard he has for my life. It's a standard for your life. It's a standard for the life of all those who follow him. Now, here's the standard he said. Don't store up earthly treasures. Don't spend your life obsessed with accumulating earthly junk. And specifically, he's talking about wealth. We know that because the tenor of the passage, if you go back and read it, you'll see he's really talking about money. He said, I don't want you to spend your life, you know, trying to grab all this stuff. Now, some of you would say, does that mean I don't have a savings account or make investments? No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about stewarding what you've been entrusted with. He's talking about that deep, obsessive desire we all have for more. And hoarding it all up. He said, don't do that. Because it's all temporary, right? It's all, when you die, it all goes back in the box. Remember I was talking about that last week with Monopoly? At the end of the day, it just all goes back in the box. It doesn't go with you. It's just gone. He says, rather, I want you to treasure heavenly things. I want you to build treasure in heaven. Meaning, I want you to be eternally minded. I want you to invest in one of the eternal things there is. And you know what it is? The kingdom of God. And we talked about this last week, and I don't want to over-recap, but I want you to know this, especially if you weren't here last week. One of the ways we invest in the kingdom of God is with our time, investing time, with our talent, our, you know, basically how God has gifted us, but with our what? What's the third thing we talked about? Our treasures, our finances. Now, here's the thing I want you to, say, I want you to know about giving. I said it last week, but I want to say it again this week. One of the things that God implemented from the very beginning was that of giving. That giving was always God's plan. Now, giving 
is not because God needs our money, because he doesn't. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about our Father who art in heaven, meaning that he has the resources, every resource at his disposal. He doesn't need our money, but we give to keep our hearts in check. See, God knew us too well. He knew that if we just kept it all to ourselves, we'd become more and more and more greedy. So giving was God's way of saying, I want to keep your heart in check. Now, out of 10 money bags, all I'm asking for is one. Now, that's not a lot, is it? Come on, is that a lot? It's not. And I'll let you keep the nine. But I want to keep your heart in check. So giving is the way that we keep our heart in check. So in the Old Testament, God established what we call the tithe. Now, the tithe actually preceded the law. Some of you may have gone back and read that when Abraham gives money to the priest Melchizedek before the law was ever given. But the tithe was something that was about bringing a tenth of your earnings to the storehouse, Malachi says. Now, the storehouse was the local temple or the tabernacle or the synagogue. Your storehouse, if you're part of this campus, is here. This is your storehouse. He said, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. And then he made the promise. It was the only time in Scripture where God says, test me in this. So if you don't believe me, just trust me. Because if you're faithful and you bring the tithe to the storehouse, I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and I'm going to bless you so much you don't have enough room for it. Now I asked this last week, but I want to ask it this week. How many of you would like God to open up his floodgates who are much bigger than any floodgate you can imagine and pour out his blessings on your life? How many of you love that? I would. I want that, right? Now, Jesus in the New Testament, many people say, well, Jesus didn't talk about tithing, and you're wrong about that. He did. Actually, he advocates it in three different places. We talked about that. But Jesus doesn't just advocate tithing. In Luke chapter 12, he raises the bar. He says, I want you to be rich toward God. It's not just about a percentage giving. That's, that's the bar. I want you, if you're, if you're at this place, I want you to be rich toward God. I want you to do more than that. Now, here's the reason it's so important. The reason that I want to, to labor this is because Jesus ended this passage, and he said this, you can't serve two masters. Now, why would Jesus tell people they can't serve two masters? Why? Because he knows that we all try to serve two masters, right? We all know that money and God are fighting for the seat of the throne of our life, and we try to let both of them occupy it, and he says it doesn't work that way because you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be endeared to one, and you're going to despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, and he issues this choice to them. Which one's it going to be, basically? And last week, I challenged you with this. When it comes to finances, it is so personal for all of us, but it's something that Jesus set a standard for. That if we want to have a heart that builds into his kingdom, we need to have a heart to give. And I challenge you with this. This is how I close. I said, if you're not giving anything, I challenge you to take a step and start giving something. Start somewhere. And if you're that person who's that random 5 or $10 person and you just kind of reach in your pocket and you pull it out and throw it in, fantastic. But would you consider being a percentage giver? So, you know, maybe I need to, I need to be more faithful in this. And if you're already a percentage giver, I would challenge you to make sure that you're a tither. You're a 10% giver. You say, I know that God asked for out of 10 money bags, he asked for one, I want to give that to him. He deserves that, amen? He is worthy of that small portion. Because how much more did he give us? Come on, look, look at me. How much more did he give us? Did he give us a tenth of the riches of heaven? No. In fact, Scripture says that God blessed us not, not out of his riches, but according to his riches. See, if Bill Gates, one of the wealthiest men in the world, gave you $100,000, you would be excited about that. Amen? Okay, now would that be out of his riches or according to his riches? 
out of his riches. See, according means I'm a billionaire and I'm going to give you a kind of in, in, retros, in kind of spectrum, I'm going to give you like a million dollars, not just a small amount. See, there's a difference in giving according to the riches and out of the riches. God gave according to his riches. He gave us everything when he gave us his son. So 10%, it's not that much. Now, if you're already a tither, here's what I ask you to do. If you're already a 10% person, many of you like me are in the room are. Be rich toward God. What, what can I do to raise the bar in my life like Jesus raised the bar in Luke chapter 12? Now, here's why I'm recapping. Because normally I wouldn't spend this much time recapping, but here's why. Because the passage today is a direct continuation of the passage last week. Well, Doug, how do I know that? Well, there's a couple ways we know that. First of all, the very first word and the next verse says, therefore. You know what therefore means? It's a bridge word that takes us back to where we've been and leads us to where we're going. So these two passages are connected. Also, we know it because the topic that Jesus is about to talk about. Now, the interesting thing about this passage is this. And the one thing I love about it is Jesus truly knows our heart. Jesus knows that for many of us in the room today, if we truly decide to do it right, if we truly decide not to serve money, but to serve God and to give and to invest in his kingdom financially, God, Jesus knows us so well that he knows there's going to be this one little thing that's going to kind of creep its way into our life. You know what that is? If we're really faithful and we're really giving and we're really honoring the Lord, there's one thing he knows that's going to kind of creep into our life that he addresses. And here it is. It's worry. It's worry. Anxiousness. Because if I'm faithful to give, what about this? Or God, what happens if my, if my car explodes, God, and, and I've got to do something? And Jesus knows that if we're going to be faithful, I mean, he just challenged them. You can't serve God in money. You've got to make a choice. And if we choose God and we're faithful and we give, he also knows what, how the devil's going to tempt us. And he knows that there's going to be worry that's going to creep its way into our life. And so Jesus addresses worry about money things in this passage. Now, here's what I want you to hear me say today. As we look through this, three times Jesus says, don't be anxious, and we're going to talk about it. But by the time we get to the end of the passage, here's what I hope we all know. I hope we all know that there is, there is a root to why we worry. There's a heartbeat to why we worry. And today, we're going to find out what that is, and probably today for most of us, it's going to be a, a look in the mirror that we're not necessarily excited to look at. But we're going to find out what we were. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, I want to read verse 25 through 34. And if you don't mind and you're able to, would you just stand with me as we read it? Verse 25 through 34. If you're, if you're not able to stay seated. It says this, Jesus, therefore, remember we're connecting. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body. What will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not one more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you still anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little what? Faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, be seated. Now, here's the thing. There's three times Jesus says, don't be anxious. And I want us to look at them. Here's the first one. He says, do not be anxious about life or body. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, for is not life more than food and body more than clothing. Now, here's what Jesus says. I don't want you to be anxious about the lot, your life or your body. Now, life is referring to things that we eat and drink. So I don't want you to worry about that. I know I've just challenged you to be faithful, to invest in my kingdom, to serve me and not money. And I know with that comes some sense of anxiety, but I'm just telling you, don't worry. Don't be anxious about life and body. Don't be anxious about what you're eating or going to drink. Now, on the other hand, he says, don't be anxious about your body. Now, the body's talking about things we put on, the clothes we put on. Now, when you look at this, most of us in the room did not, don't wake up on the average day worried about what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, and what are we going to wear. Most of us, that's not the case. It may be for some of you, but most of us is not. So why is it such a big deal? That Jesus is saying, don't worry about those things. Well, here's why. And I think we can relate to them. Because in that culture, that is something they did worry about. They did worry about where was the next meal coming from sometimes. They did worry about where they were gonna, what they were going to drink for the day. They did worry about, am I going to have clothes to, to make it through the day? But here's, here's the thing I want you to think about this. We can relate to them. Because when we think about giving and tithing to the Lord and giving a percentage to the Lord, many of you, if you were honest, and I'm not going to ask you, but if we were honest, we would look at our budgets, if you have a budget, which maybe you don't, but if you had a budget, you would say this, I don't have 10% expendable income. Meaning, I don't have 10% that I can just give the church because I just have 10% laying around. Is that right? I mean, most people don't just have 10% of their, annual in- their, their, their monthly income just laying around like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but that's just kind of laying around. Nobody's like that. And so if we give that, it kind of infringes on the, what we call extra in our household or extra in our budget. And we begin to wonder, okay, what about food? What about this? What about that? And worry creeps its way in there. And Jesus says, stop worrying about that stuff. Quit worrying about the necessities of life. Stop worrying about that stuff. He says, isn't life more than food? Isn't life more than drink? Isn't life more than clothing? Meaning when you are focused only on the necessities of life, you're in survival mode, right? You're in survival mode. Well, let me ask you a question. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, does abundantly in the Greek translate survival mode? I hope not, don't you? Because that's not what he's talking about. And when he says the abundant life, he's not talking about a life of surviving. He's talking about a life of thriving, And when we are focused merely on the immediate needs we have, we are just in survival mode. We're just trying to make it through the day instead of really living the life that Jesus has for us. See, when we worry, listen to this, when we worry, and you might even write this down, when we worry, it leads us down a path of self-dependence and backsliding. And let me tell you what I mean. When we worry, it leads us down a path of self-dependence, meaning this. At some point in the depths of our worry, We're just not sure that God's going to come through. And so we take matters into our own hands, don't we? And we start trying to figure it out on our own. We don't pray. We don't see God. We just say, okay, this is going to happen, and I need this, and I'm going to. The only person I can depend on is me. 
And it also leads us down a path of backsliding. Here's what I mean by that. That for many of us, when we look at the worry in our life and we look at worry and we wonder, okay, where's the next meal coming from or where's the next, you know, whatever coming from, we begin to look at that and then we kind of make this discernment. Okay, well, the reason I'm worried is because I am giving a percentage of my income to the Lord, but if I wasn't giving this, then maybe I wouldn't be worrying so much. And so we end up backsliding and going back to the place where we're not giving anything anymore. See, worry takes us to terrible places. It leads us down a path of self-dependence and backsliding. That's why Jesus gave two illustrations. He says this in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour to his lifespan? Now, he says this. Think about the birds of the air. Now, think about that. Do they raise crops? Not rhetorical. You can answer. Do they, does birds raise crops? I hope not. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Right? Do they store things up in barns? Not rhetorical. Do they store things? No. But do they always seem to have enough food to make it? Yes. He said, listen, if God is taking care of the birds of the air, how much more will he take care of you? Now, think about that for a moment. The Bible says that we have been created in the imago dei, which means the image of God. We were created in the image of God. And so if God will take care of the birds of the air who are not created in his image, how much more will he take care of his children who are created in his image? See, the crazy thing is this. The birds of the air trust the provision of God, but yet image bearers, oftentimes we don't. We don't trust God. And then he, I love what Jesus says. How, can you add one span of life to your day by worry? In other words, worry gains us nothing. Now, listen to me. Worry gains us nothing, at least nothing spiritual, because it can gain you an ulcer, right? It can gain you a serious headache, maybe a heart attack, but worry we, gains us nothing. And Jesus says, stop worrying about what you're going to eat and drink in your clothing. I mean, I'm taking care of the birds of the air. How much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? Then he goes on to the lilies of the field. Verse 28, he says this. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little what? Faith. He says, think about the lilies of the field. He said, they don't, they don't make an effort to grow. I mean, they're like, oh, squeeze harder, we'll grow faster. That's not what they do. And, you know, lilies are beautiful, are they not? Do they decide how they're going to, the spinning part is, is we're talking about how they're going to color themselves. Do they decide one day how they're going to color themselves to be beautiful? No. Who does that? God does that. And then he references Solomon. Do you know who Solomon was? The wealthiest man to ever live. Man, this guy was loaded. And Jesus says, even Solomon, with all his wealth, could not make himself as ornate and as beautiful as the lilies of the field that God decided how beautiful they were. Even Solomon, with all the money in the world, could not make themselves as beautiful as God made the lilies of the field. And if God is going to take the lilies of the field and clothe them, how much more will he clothe you? If God's going to take care of the grass of the field, how much more will he love and take care of his image bearers? Are you getting the essence of what Jesus is saying? We can look to creation and see how God provides for them. 
and be reminded if God provides for them, how much more will he provide for us? Now, is that good news? It should be good news to us. And I love how Jesus ends this little part. He says, O ye of little faith. I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes. Worry shows a lack of faith. It does. Worry shows a lack of faith. Known as worry gain us nothing, worry shows a lack of faith. And then Jesus talks about not being anxious another time. Verse 31, he says this. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus says, do not be anxious about the needs of today. No, not be anxious about life and body, but don't be anxious about the needs of today. Now, he's referring what he just talked about, but he adds a spin to it. He talks about why we worry, like why we're not to worry about these things. He said, because when you worry about life, when you worry about the needs of today, you're acting like the pagans. You know who pagans were? You know what the reference of pagans means? It means those who do not know God and live a life without hope. That's a pagan. Now think about that. Jesus is saying, listen, when you worry, you're acting like a pagan. You're acting as though you have no God who loves you, and you're acting as though that you have no hope. You're acting like a lost world when you worry about the needs of life. Have you ever thought about it that way? That when I worry about where my needs are going to be met, that I look just like the world? See, worrying, worrying makes us look like the lost. But Jesus gives us a remedy for worry. He really does here. In verse 33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will should be added to you. What is the remedy for worry? Now, please listen to this. The remedy for worry is change your focus. Change your focus. Instead of focusing on the needs that I have, focus on two things. First, seek first. First, you know what first means? Anybody know what first means? Not second, right? First, above everything else. Like the Patriots said, it'll be in first. But anyway, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the first thing we're to seek is God's kingdom, meaning above everything else. I don't want you to focus on your, your temporal needs. I want you to focus on eternal things. Now, did we just hear this like last week when we talked about this? Hadn't Jesus just covered this topic about not treasuring earthly things but treasuring heavenly? Yeah, he did. It's a continuation. He's like, listen, I want, you, I want you to not be anxious about the needs of today. I want you to seek first his kingdom, not your kingdom. Now listen to me. I want you to seek first his kingdom, not your kingdom. I want you to be eternally minded by investing in his kingdom. And he said, I want you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Here's what that means. To seek not only to invest in his kingdom, but seek to live a life of obedience to him. Now, everybody just look at me just for a moment. I have a question. When I spend my days focused on my kingdom, my needs, what am I not focused on? His kingdom. What am I not focused on? Living obedient to him. Why? Because I'm more worried about me, myself, and I instead of his kingdom. See, the remedy for worry is to change my focus. Quit focusing on so much of what I need 
Start focusing on his kingdom. How do I invest in that? Start focusing on living for him. And then the promise is, and all these things will be added unto you. Now think about that. That's one of the greatest promises in scripture. That for those who seek God's kingdom first, invest in his kingdom, and for those who live obedient lives to him, the promise is that all these things that we need and all these things that we have avoided, he will meet our needs. The God who knows our needs will meet our needs. Amen? That's the promise. If you seek this kingdom first and you seek living a righteous life, all these things will be added to you. Every need you have will be met. That's a promise. Listen, there are 7,474 promises in Scripture, and this is one of them somebody today needs to cling to. You need to grab a hold of. Lord, you told me if I will seek you first, seek your kingdom, invest in you, and Lord, you told me if I will live a life obedient to you, that you will meet my needs, and he will. Because Jesus is saying, don't be preoccupied with the temporal, but be focused on the eternal. And then he gives one more, do not be anxious moment. In verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. The thing about it is, is that, that when we think about tomorrow, isn't there a lot to worry about tomorrow? There is. Like what could, how many of you are what could happen people? Okay, I got to, can I tell a story? Is that okay? Well, I'm going to anyway. So I'm going to tell this story. So <clears throat> I was playing golf on Friday with Don Jacobs, and I was, I was playing pretty good for, for me. And then Kelsey shows up, and Kelsey says, I want to take a picture. So we all take a picture, and then Kelsey says, I want to take a picture while you're swinging, which my swing looks, it's terrible. I mean, it's like, it's, it's bad. And so anyway, uh, and, so, and so in the middle of my backswing, Don, what do you do? Oh, he throws his driver down right behind me. I mean, like, out of nowhere comes this driver. And so I'm in the backswing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I hit the ball. And I'm not kidding. Kelsey is standing where Trent is, and the ball goes about six inches right of her knee straight that way. And all I could think about for the next four holes was, I could have killed her. I, could, I mean, what if she had stepped over and been on the knee taking my picture? She'd have had that camera stuck in her head. I mean, what if, I mean, I'm that guy. I'm the what if guy. How many of you are the what if people? What could happen people? Okay, that's not a great place to be, is it? Because A, she laughed. I didn't kill her. She's right here on the front row in case you're curious this morning. No bumps, no bruises. But here's what I know. Tomorrow has a lot to worry about. What if? What could happen? And Jesus is simply just saying this. Tomorrow will take care of itself. There's enough trouble in tomorrow without you adding worry to it. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. Now, here's why I love this passage. Jesus knows our heart. Jesus knows that if we truly choose to serve God and not money, like he just told us the passage before, if we truly choose to do that, here's what's going to happen. As we pursue faithfulness, worry is going to creep his way in there. And Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to worry because I have got your back. I just want you to trust me. Now, this week, as I was praying and wrapping up this message, I was just praying for myself, just praying, Lord, give me some truths that I need to know for my life. Because I, come on, anybody here wrestle with worry like me? I have some anxiety in my life, which is terrible. And so I said, God, give me some real truths. Now, I'm telling you this because it's something that I'm learning. I don't have this figured out. I wish I did, but I, I, I'm learning this. And here's one thing I learned was this, is that when I worry, listen, and you may want to write this down, when I worry or when you worry, it is an attack on the character of God. Think about that. When I worry, it is an attack on the love of God for his people. You know why? Because when I worry, 
my worry implies that God can't be trusted, that God's not going to come through for me. Isn't that, I mean, come on, wouldn't you, if you were honest about your worry, isn't that why you worry? Because if I trust God with something and, and I'm worrying about it, maybe it's because God's not going to come through for me. Maybe it's because God, I don't know that I really can trust God. I mean, if I, if I ask one of you to come up here and stand on the stage and close your, which I won't, and, and just kind of wrap your arms around yourself and just fall backwards and Elijah's going to catch you. I mean, most of you, I could do it when you get up here, the way you would fall would show us that you didn't really trust him to begin with. See, when I, when I worry, it is an attack on the character of God, the goodness of God, the love of God for his people, because I'm saying, God, I'm not sure you're going to show up. I'm not sure you're going to intervene. Now, how terrible is that for us? But isn't that true for us too? Now, here's the second thing I felt like God was teaching me, and this is in your guide. We worry because simply we don't trust God, period. That's why we worry. I was trying to come up with a definition for me, just, just me personally, of worry. And here's the definition I came up with. This is Doug's definition. It's not Webster. I didn't look it up. This is my definition, so you don't have to agree with it. But here's my definition of worry that I'm going to live by for my life. Worry is distrusting the promise and the provision of God. That's what it is. Worry is me distrusting the promise and the provision of God in my life. Now, I know, as sure as I'm standing here, there's some of you in the room today, you're worrying. You're worrying about your finances. Last week, I asked you to do something very, very powerful, and you've worried about it all week long. So here's what I want to do today as we close. I, I want to ask you to take a step today. Now, I want you to listen to me here in my heart. I want you to ask you to take a step toward really trusting the Lord today in two areas. Here's the first area, your life. There's some of you in the room today, maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And while you've heard me talk about money, I don't want you to miss this, that God gave us more than a percentage of his wealth of heaven. He gave us his one and only son to die for us, and all we have to do is receive that gift. And if you've never trusted him, man, today would be a great day to do that. All you have to do is acknowledge that you love him, that you're a sinner, and you ask Jesus to come into your life. Like we had one young man last week pray to receive Christ. Man, what an awesome moment. Maybe you need to make that today. Or maybe you're hearing your follower of Jesus and maybe part of your life that you need to give to the Lord is maybe there's an area of your life that you're trying to control. You think your way is better than God's way. You think you've got it figured out and if God would just somehow work out your plan, everything would be great, right? Come on. Yet scripture says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but yet we think that God somehow should be like the vending machine and do the way we want it done. I press Diet Coke, I expect Diet Coke to come out, Right? So maybe here today, in one area you need to really trust God is with your life. Maybe there's an area. Maybe it's your marriages. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your workplace. There's something you're trying to take control away from God, and you need to surrender to him. Second area I want you to ask to trust God is this, in your finances. And I'm going to issue the same invitation I issued last week, and here it is. When it comes to your finances, if you're not giving to the Lord, would you start somewhere? Now, I don't need to know that. Nobody around you is going to know that, but I'm asking you, would you start somewhere? And if you're giving randomly, would you become a percentage giver? And if you're a percentage giver, it's like 2 and 3%, which is great, would you work toward the 10% and say, that's, that's the bar, that's where I need to be? And if you're a percentage giver who's a 10%er and you're faithful to do that, would you, would you be challenged by Luke chapter 12 to be rich toward God and to raise that bar and say, God, how, what do you want me to, how, how do you want me to honor you more than what I'm already honoring you, Lord? I'm going to ask you to take a step. Now, I know, as sure as I'm standing here, there are many in the room that would simply just say this. Say, you know what, Doug? 
uh, I love you. I hope you'd say that. I love you and appreciate you. Sylvia would say she loves me, right, Sylvia? That's right. So, but I expect you to say that you're the preacher. I expect you to say that if I'm faithful to give, that my life's going to change, that God's going to bless me. And you're right. You know, but you know why you should expect it to me? It's not because of my opinion. It's because of what Jesus says. It's what the Word of God says. But beyond my opinion or my, my thoughts or what I want to say, I want you to watch a video of a man who giving and tithing changed his life. And I want you to watch this video. Then we're going to come back, and I'm going to issue two kinds of invitations today. So just take a moment, and let's watch this video. Hey, everyone. Most of you probably know who I am by now, but for those that don't, my name is Randy. And um, I've been asked to give my tithing testimony. I have a rather, I wouldn't call it unique, because I think everyone can experience the same thing that I've experienced, and that's what I'm going to share with you today. But one thing I want to make sure that everyone understands is this isn't just about money. This is about obedience. And God expects obedience from every one of us in many different areas, not just money. Um, our relationships, our time, our um, talents that he gives us, he expects obedience in all of those areas. This is just another one of those. Um, when I first started here at Cross Life, which was First Baptist back when I started, um, I, had, I was coming from another church where I had rededicated my life to Christ. And I was on fire, and still am, but... Um, thought I was doing everything right. You know, I had allocated my time and, and was doing everything right with relationships and everything like that. But my wife and I were struggling financially. I couldn't figure it out. We made plenty of money. Both of us worked. Didn't have a whole lot of bills. But man, it would come payday and it was just like, I have to extend this bill to next payday, borrow against the next paycheck. I would write everything out on paper and we had plenty of money. Where was, where's it all going? We should have plenty left over. I wasn't tithing at that time. I had a little line at the bottom of the budget that if I had money left over, I would give it to some to the church. Some weeks I wouldn't have any. So I got involved in a, uh, a mentoring group here at the church where I read a book called All In by Mark Batterson. And it changed my life. I realized in there that I, while I was being obedient in all the other areas of my life, the one area I was not was my finances. I had not turned those over to God. Now, I sat down and did another budget, but this time... Instead of the past, what I had done in the past, I moved that line for the church to the top of the budget and wrote my tithe in there. And I began from that day, from that week, from that first payday, that every week the church got paid first, every payday. And then the other bills got paid out. It took a little bit of time to get it rolling and to get everything in, but without even getting any kind of pay raise whatsoever, suddenly the bills were getting paid on time. We had plenty of money left over. Um, we were able to take some vacations and do some things we hadn't done before. I, my, my daughter started college, and we paid for that. And it was just God took care of it when we started taking care of what he had given us. He doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first fruits. You know, God shouldn't be an afterthought. He should be our first thought. And if we trust him, he's going to take care of those things for us. All those burdens. Psalm 68, verse 19, David tells us that uh, uh, God bears our burdens daily. And so why not turn it over to God and let him handle it? Trust him. Obedience is trust. And trust leads to faith, and faith leads to a greater relationship with our God. So I, I invite you to take that challenge and just give it a shot. Start with your 10% and see what happens to go from there. And it worked for me, and God tells us it will work if we, if we trust him and we're obedient. Thank you. Amen. Let's thank Randy for sharing his story. Thank you, Randy. Um, you know, when we talked about this, I guess a month or two ago, he's like, man, I got a story. 
And, a, you know, and the thing I love about his story is, you know, he kept saying over again, it's about trust, isn't it? I mean, trusting God with our finances. Because at the end of the day, here's the truth. None of it is ours, is it? It all belongs to him. We are only managers, not owners. Amen? Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Here's the first part of the first invitation. If you're a first-time guest today, I ask you to give one thing today. That's that welcome card that Elijah talked about. And a little bit later in the service, we're going to have a basket pass. And all I'll do is ask you. That's the only thing we ask you to give. Just drop that in there because we want to connect with you. That's it. So if you're a first-time guest, that's for you. But if you're someone who says, you know what, I'm a member of this church, or I feel like this church is my home. This is where I want to land. This is the group I want to serve with. This is the group that I want to tack water, uh, hell with a water pistol group with. I mean, this is the group I want to reach Christ with. And this is your home. I'm going to ask you to take that step I made ask you last week to take and make it a little bit more commitment to it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In every one of your seats, you found an envelope with a card just like this. I would just take those and grab those right now. If you just grab those. Okay, just grab those. Nobody's just looking around. Just grab those. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? I'm going to ask you, if this is your church home and you're a member here or you just believe in this church and you want to be part of what God is doing through East Campus through for his kingdom, I'm going to ask you to take this and fill this out. And maybe you want to check the box saying, I want to begin starting the tithe. I want to begin somewhere and I want to start with the 10%. Some of you may say, I want to continue to give above the tithe. I want to be rich toward God because I'm already tithing. Many of you just want to say, hey, I, I want to be a regular giver of this percentage. You know, some of you work on commission, so you can't just say, here's a number that I'm going to give. And so you need to say, I'm, whenever I, I get my check, I'm going to be faithful to give the 10% or start somewhere. And then we're going to ask you to give an amount there. Here's what, what I think I'm going to give, and just fill that out. Now, let me just say, because some of you weren't here last week, I spent a lot of time talking about this, because some of you, you just kind of felt your blood pressure elevate to your eyeballs, right? Let me just say this. Nobody's going to see this but one person on our Oviedo campus, and she's going to input the data. She's not going to send you a phone call saying, hey, you're ahead or you're behind. She's inputting. Now, let me tell you why this is important if you're a member of this church or you feel like this church is your home. Three reasons. Number one, for the church, it's important because God has called us to steward what he's entrusted us with as well. And we can only steward what we know we have to steward with. And so it's important for the church to have some idea there. Secondly, it's important for us for accountability. See, when I, when I filled this card out and Sonia and I filled this out and we write our name on this card, let me just say this to you. We wrote a name on a card, it moved from good intentions to a real commitment. And so for some of you, maybe you struggle. Maybe you have great intentions, but you've never followed through the commitment. Doing this will help with that. Third thing, when you fill this card out, what you're also saying is, I, want to, I am partnering with God financially to advance his kingdom. How many of us want to partner with God? Man, Amen. We're partnering with God to advance his kingdom. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because our leadership of this church have already taken a moment. These are all sealed. I have, you know, they've taken a moment and they've already done this. Those who are leaders in this church have already done this. Because they understand the benefit of doing this. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you if you take that card. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and take a minute and just pray. Just pray. Maybe you need to reach over to your spouse and you just need to say, what, what, what do you think? And just pray, and then Patrick's going to be playing music, and then, and then when you get done praying, I'm going to ask you to take a moment and actually fill this card out, slip it in the envelope, seal it up. Nobody wants to know. I mean, just seal it up, and then if the offering comes later, you can put that in with your regular offering. So I'm going to ask you right now. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want you to take just a few moments. You've heard the truth of Scripture. You've heard an amazing testimony that Randy shared because you felt just like he felt. Never enough. 
But the faithfulness of God that he did have enough. And when he became obedient, God blessed him. And I want you to take a moment and just pray. And just pray with your spouse. Maybe you can talk to them and say, Lord, you know, give us wisdom what you want us to do this year. And then as Patrick plays for us, if you would just take a moment and then fill that card out, seal it up, and just hold on to it. And then I'm going to come back up and lead us to the second part of this invitation and pray for us. So right now, every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just take a moment. Just take a moment and seek the Lord what he would want you to do this year as it relates to giving to his kingdom. Fill that card out and just hold on to it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you everybody to stand up with me if you would. Everybody stand up. And maybe right now during this time here, I believe the second part of the invitation, but maybe for some of you, now's the time. Maybe you didn't fill that out. Now you're like, okay, I, I need to do it right now. And I know some of you, because some of you are going to ask. I've been asked this before already. You know, I wasn't here last week. Can I, I want to take some time with my spouse and pray about it and, and bring it next week. Absolutely. This, this, is, this is your commitment to the Lord that the church is going to, going to you know, it's kind of your way to say, I want to be accountable. As you're already saying, I want to buy in. So absolutely, if you need to do that. But if right now, if you already know, just take a moment, fill that out. Second part of the invitation is this. Maybe some in the room today, the thing you need to trust God with the most is an area of your life. You know, I love what Randy said. He said, I was, I was obeying God in so many different ways, but this one. And maybe there's another area. Maybe you're obeying God with your finances, but there's another area you're not. This altar is open. See, today is all about me saying, Lord, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not going to worry about my finances. 
I'm not going to worry about what life holds for me. God, I trust you. Would you say that with me? I trust you. One more time like you mean it. I trust you. I hope that's a declaration of your heart today. And if you're struggling with trusting him, I invite you to come pray. If you need to know Christ today, I would love to talk to you. If you need to take a moment to fill that card out and seal it, do that. Today is a moment we're declaring our trust and our allegiance to him. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I know when we talk about money, it's, it's so personal. We ask people to take a really humongous step of faith and put it on a card. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. But God, I know that they may be thinking, hey, what I give is between me and the Lord. But God, my salvation is between me and you. But how I live my life is a reflection that I'm saved. And so this commitment brings a greater level of accountability it moves us from intention to real commitment. It says, I, God, I'm, I'm making a vow to buy into your kingdom, to, to, to be a part of your kingdom, to invest in your kingdom, to partner with you in your kingdom work. So God, I pray for those who belong here to this church, those who say this is their home, that they would pray about that and really make a decision today. But I pray for those today that are struggling with another area, other areas they don't trust you today. Would they set the record straight? Would they get their heart right with you this morning? Lord, we love you. May you bless this time together. May you bless us as we worship you today and abandon all that we have and truly say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. If you need to pray, the altar's open.